0: No, I'm sorry. They they came in after the fact. I appreciate you guys coming on down. I just want us all to be together. I want us all right here to do communion and just kind of do something together this morning. I've been asked a question, and so I want to answer it real quick just so that you kind of know where we are at Faith Baptist Church. I've been asked before about, you know, when do we have communion? I've been coming here for three months. We've not done communion. I've been coming here X amount of time, and and a lot of people, you know, you know where we came from, we... Did communion on the fifth Sunday of every month. Or we did, you know, the third Sunday night of the month every month. And, and they have a set schedule. And can I tell you, I have no problem with that at all. I, um, it's kind of like Sunday school teaching. You know, a lot of Sunday school teachers, probably probably more churches than not, use something called a quarterly. Anybody familiar with quarterlies? And quarterlies is where the teacher is given a book, and this is what you're to teach, and it goes to keep them together. I have no problem with that. But I believe that they should do what God leads them to do, and we should... Do what God leads us to do. When it comes to communion, I don't really see it as a planned event. I think it's a special time. It's a very special time. I think you need to be guided there by the Holy Spirit. I think you need to be led in a direction there that, that the Holy Spirit has something special planned for you then. Just like I believe with Sunday school teachers. I know for a fact that I was called to teach Sunday school. I remember the month, the 3, 3.30s in the morning. I was called to teach Sunday school before I preached. That's why I didn't argue near as long about preaching because I realized you can't win in those arguments anyway. And somebody said amen. Um, so if I believe that a Sunday school teacher is called of God to preach, and I believe that a Sunday school teacher is equipped with the Holy Spirit of God to teach what the Lord gives him, and therefore that's why so many Sunday school classes come in and talk about, man, it sounded like y'all talked this morning what we didn't, but the Holy Spirit did. So the Holy Spirit puts lessons out. So it's kind of the same with communion. I just believe it's a very special time that we can, that we can all do something together. And before we partake of communion this morning, I want us to take just a look at, at a little bit. About what it's all about. So you ought to have your place in Hebrews chapter 10. Since I don't. So Hebrews chapter 10. Beginning in verse number 1. I know we glanced at this particular passage last week. But the Bible says. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. Not the very image of things. Can never with those sacrifices. Which they offered year by year. Continually make the comers there thereunto perfect. For then they would not have ceased to be offered. Because when the. Worshippers, once purged, should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there are remembrance again made of sins every year. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. And burn offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. See, I I don't really want to preach this morning. I just want to go over a few passages. I want us to look at something together real quick and kind of be reminded of this one thing. He did it all for me. From in the beginning to amen, this whole story is a love letter written to you and I to explain how much he loves us. How much he cares how how we are his children. And every one of us is children of God that have been redeemed of the Lamb. All of our sins have been washed away. We have come by the way of the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed away every sin. There's no more stain. There's no more remembrance. When God looks on you and I, what he sees is a child of God. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ, redeemed of the Lamb. He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our past. You know the things that the devil likes to throw up in your face? things the devil likes to remind you of and tell you you know you're no good i remind him yes i do I, I, I do i do i know that i'm no good but i have a god that is and and in that he said when he looks on me he looks at me through the blood of jesus and he don't see what i see i see this wretched filthy no account sinner worthy of hell and he sees the child of the king washed in the blood So for every one of us, as children of God, when we look in the mirror, when we look in the pages of this book, be reminded, say to yourself, he did it all for me. God, thank you so much. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your sweet spirit, God. I thank you for the sacrifice. I thank you that we can call on the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I thank you that in the name of Jesus all of our sins are washed away. We're made clean and spotless. I thank you that in the name of Jesus demons must flee. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now would you remove... Every demon of depression, every demon of guilt, every demon of an anxiety, every demon of marital problem, every demon of health issues, every demon of financial situations. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, may they be removed from this place this morning, God. I pray your sweet Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, have freedom and rule and reign in this place, God. I pray that broken homes would be mended, marriages restored, prodigals called home, financial situations cured. God, may you make a way out of no way this morning. God, I pray, Father, would you move on us, your people, in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, we pray in the power of that name, Father, that you'd help us, Father, to seek you and to serve you, God. I pray, Father, would you just do something special, Lord. We know that if we'd come looking to receive something, God, that you'd be faithful and just. And God, I pray you'd move in here this morning, Father. I pray your perfect will be accomplished. I pray most of all that you'd be pleased with everything that we do. But God, I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Would you touch every soul represented in this place, every family, every home, by way of live stream or, or wherever they may be watching? God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only you can do. Would You speak to each one of us and meet us in our own place of our own needs and our own trials, our own troubles. Help us, God. We love you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. So last week we looked. Briefly at chapter 10 right there, and we looked at the fact that it talks about it as a shadow of things to come. And we looked at the fact that a shadow of a key will not open your door. A shadow of a key will not unlock the prison doors that held you captive for so long. See, some of you, even as children of God, can I just go ahead and plug in right here? That when we got saved, hell didn't stop pulling. When we got washed in the blood, sin didn't stop calling. When we got ransomed and redeemed of the Lamb of God, the world didn't stop pressing. The world didn't stop trying. The flesh didn't stop pulling back. See, there's Christians today that are still bound in chains. Hello, come on. you It's okay. We're all in the same place right here. There are Christians that are still bound in things like pornography, alcohol, drugs, marital problems. There are Christians who are still bound in chains, and we looked at it last week. The shadow of the key will not remove your chains, But he is the key. His name is Jesus Christ. And the shadow of the key in the Old Testament would not set your chains free. But the key says, I have come that you might have life. That you might have it more abundantly. The key can set your chains free. The key can remove all the chains that hold you down and bind you. Jesus said, I come to do thy will. I want to look at what was the will of God. What is the will that he's talking about? See, it's important that I know what he's talking about because Jesus said that that's why he came. Now, notice that he says that, that in the volume of the book, in the entirety of the scriptures, in the fullness of the Gospel. In all of the law, in the Pentateuch, in all of the Old Testament, in all of the the poetical books, in all of the historical books, in all of the gospels, in all of the epistles, in the volume of the book, in the entirety of the letter, from in the beginning to amen, Jesus said, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. Chapter 9 in the book of Hebrews says... Then when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, then he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop. He sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Almost all things were by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. That is the shadow of things to come. That was the shadow of the Old Testament. Verse number 23, Hebrews chapter 9 still. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in heaven should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. You might want to underline that in your Bible. Nor yet that he should suffer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he have have suffered, often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. It is appointed unto men once to die. But after this to judgment. Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. There are well over a hundred prophecies in the Old Testament that prophesies of a Messiah. And prophesies of a king of kings prophesies of the Lord of lords. There are well more than a 100 prophecies that points forward to the Lord Jesus Christ coming. I want to look in just a few of those briefly this morning. Isaiah says in chapter 53, who hath believed our report in verse number 1? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him a tender plant as a root out of dry ground, no form nor comeliness. And we, when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our, tra- for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. With his stripes, my, the God has his name written on my forehead. A seal about me that nobody can touch me except God That In his stripes, all of my sin has been healed. All of my mistakes, all of my failures, all of your past, everything all done in his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep, dumb before a shears is dumb, so they openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering, make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, and prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many. Anybody in here, whosoever? Anybody part of the many? He hath bare the sin of many, and hath made intercession for the transgressors. All of Isaiah chapter 53 we see fulfilled at Calvary. Everything that's written there we we see. But I want to look at a few more passages this morning. Zechariah chapter 13. It says that his friends would leave him. They would leave his side. Matthew chapter 26. Jesus said, all ye shall be offended. That was the prophecy. All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. As soon as Jesus was arrested, all the disciples fled. All of his friends, prophecy fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 50 prophesied that his back would be beaten. His beard would be plucked. They would spit upon his face. He said in chapter 50, verse 6 of Isaiah, I gave my back to the smiter's. nose it said they didn't take it. Just like he said, I gave my life freely. No man taketh my life from me. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up. He told Peter, do you not know that I could pray unto the Father and he could send 12 legions of angels. All the earth could have been destroyed. He could have spoken, made all the creation go away. But he said, no, I'm going to give my back to the smiters. I'm going to give my back to those that are here to beat me. And I'm going to let them do what they need to do because that's what I'm going to do to pay the price for those that are yet to come. He said, I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. That's the prophecy Matthew and goes in chapter 26 verse 67 then did they spit in his face buffeted him others smote him with the palm of their hand chapter 27 verse 27 the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the common hall and gathered on him the whole band of soldiers they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe when they had plaited a crown of thorns they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying hail king of the Jews and they spit upon him He took the reed, smote him on the head. Mark records it in chapter 15, verse 14. Pilate, they said to him, why? What evil hath he done? They cried out the more exceedingly, crucify him. So Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas and and, and he delivered Jesus. And when he had scourged him, when he had beat him beyond recognition, when he had bruised him on every part of his body, when he had done everything that he could possibly do, then he handed him over to be crucified. Zechariah chapter 11 tells us that the price of the betrayal was written and, and even the place that, that they would use to, to use the betrayal money to buy. Zechariah chapter 11 verse 12 says, I said to think if you think, good, give me my price. If not, forbear. So they weighed for my price. 30 pieces of silver. The Lord said unto me, cast it unto the potter. A goodly price it was prized of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. Fulfillment of that scripture. One of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest. He said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver fulfillment of what they would do with it chapter 27 verse number three judas which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying i have sinned and that i have betrayed the innocent blood and they said what is that to us you think we care i don't care 30 pieces of silver was a big deal but it wasn't to them they had plenty 30 pieces of silver the price of a common slave That's all it cost us. That's the way the high priest looked at it. That's the way the Jewish elite, the official, looked at it. That's all it cost us, 30 pieces of silver. We're not worried about your guilt trip. We're we're not worried about what's bothering you. You you just go and you see to it. The chief priest took the piece of silver and said, it's not lawful. No, no, I'm sorry. Verse number five says, he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and he departed and went and hanged himself and the chief priest took the silver pieces and said it is not lawful to put them in the treasury i'm i'm sorry i'm i'm trying to move on but my mind is just not going to let me get past verse number 5 i, I won't I want you to understand what the devil's telling you. I want you to understand the lies that the devil is putting in you. I want you to understand the lies of the enemy, that it'll never come to pass. He's a liar. He's a thief. All he's looking to do is to steal and to kill and to destroy, to tear you down, to break you down. Judas thought he hit the the lottery, man. He got 30 pieces of silver. I got it going on. He thought he had something. But I want you to see he never spent a dime of it. See, the word of God says that sin has its pleasures for a season, but be sure your sins will find you out. Even with the money in his pocket, there was no joy because he knew he was living in sin. He knew he was living against the will of God. The same thing is true for you and I. The devil will bait his hook with your favorite thing. Whatever it is, one of the first sermons we we talked about it recently one of the first sermons that Bruce Freeman ever preached was called the devil's tackle box and he talked about all the things in the tackle box all the little shiny trinkets everything listen the devil has a record of your life he knows what you've looked back at a second time he knows who you've talked to secretly he knows about the text you sent privately he knows about all the things of your past he knows about all the things of your present he knows the time you took a second look at somebody and if you said it out loud he knows the things that you thought and that's what he's going to put on the hook when he drops it in front of you. All the little secret things, that's what he put. But it never did Judas Iscariot any good. They said it's not lawful to put it in the treasury because it's the price of blood. They took counsel and they bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, the field was called, the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet. Fulfilled, 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 fulfillment of the scriptures. Fulfilled which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, They took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, and whom the children of Israel did value, and gave for them the potter's field, as the Lord appointed. Everything is prophesied about Christ. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, we read it a while ago, said that he'd be numbered with the transgressors. he divided divide the spoil of the strong. He poured out his soul into death, numbered with the transgressors, bare the sin of many, made intercession for the transgressors. Mark chapter 15 says in verse 27 that with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand, the other on his left. The scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. The scripture was fulfilled. The prophecy was carried out in his life. He didn't come by accident. He came for you. He didn't come for nothing. He came for our sin. Psalm chapter 22. Many prophecies. He said, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth unto my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them, and they cast lots upon my vesture. Psalm chapter 69, verse 21 says, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. All Old Testament prophecies. John chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Thou hast brought me to the dust of death. He saith, I thirst. There was a vessel full of vinegar. They filled a sponge with vinegar, put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. In the gospel account, Jesus is surrounded by his enemies. Dogs have compassed me. They have enclosed themselves around him. They're gathered there at Pilate's Hall. They're gathered there at Golgotha. They're gathered all around him. They've gathered in. It says, according to the scripture, they have pierced his hands and his feet. They've parted his garments. Luke 23, 34. Out of all that in the midst, right in the midst of Everything that they've done, all the beating, all the torture, all the pain, all the lies, all the false accusation everything he's been through, he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And then they fulfilled the scriptures that they parted his raiment and cast lots. Psalm chapter 34 tells us that not one of his bones will be broken. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah to come. John chapter 19, verse 32. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with them. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his leg. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith and came there out blood and water. The fact that he would be buried with the rich prophesied. Joseph of Arimathea, a very wealthy man, came and requested the body of Jesus and wrapped it and anointed it with spices and ointments like that of a king. And he took a brand new, honed out tomb that he himself, this rich man, had honed out, which no man had ever laid, and he was buried with the rich. He was placed there in this borrowed tomb that, that he would be resurrected, what was, was, was foretold. Prophesied of the resurrection from the grave, it was fulfilled when when Mary and the women came to the tomb and the angel said, "Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Come, see the place where he lay. All prophecy." All fulfilled. The fact that he would ascend into the heavens uh, was fulfilled. Acts chapter 1 verse 9, when he had spoken these things, while they beheld he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. But that's not the end of the story. He came, he suffered, he died, he bled to cover our sin. He rose from the grave to give us eternal life. He ascended into the heavens to prepare a place for us that he'll come back, that where he is, there we may be also. The, the scripture says that the two men in white apparel stood there, and they said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into the heaven?" This same Jesus, which you have seen taken from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. See, the story is not over. The, the story isn't true. Jesus is coming back. Everything that was prophesied then was fulfilled in the life of Christ. But that's not the end of the story. The angel said he's coming back. Jesus said I'm coming back. And that I'm going to take you into the place that that I have prepared. But we says, when I come back, I'm coming to get you. I'm not coming back to suffer this time. That's already been done for you. I'm not coming back to deal with your sins. Your sins have already been dealt with. They're erased to be remembered no more, cast into the sea of forgetfulness, separated as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. When I come to get you, it's going to be a joyous time. It's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be some time coming together. More than 100 prophecies fulfilled in the life of Christ. The virgin birth prophesied, fulfilled in Mary, the city where he was born. You know, I mean, it's just a happenstance story, right? They just happened to go to Bethlehem and she just happened to go into labor while they're there. That's not where they live. They just had to travel because taxes were due. Anybody excited about Tuesday? Anybody on a house in Troop County? Glory to God, the bank will be handing out a lot of loans come Monday because we've got to pay taxes come Tuesday. Taxes are due. You've got to go to a place to pay taxes. That's what they had to do. They had to go to Bethlehem to pay taxes. So, coincidentally enough, then, then while they were there, she had a baby. Oh, no. There's nothing coincidental in the economy of God. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands, a king will come forth of thee. There are no accidents in, in God's economy. Everything prophesied. Everything fulfilled. Prophecies. Prophecies. That the, not, not just the prophecies being foretold, but in the life that he fulfilled, everything points to his Messiahship. Everything points to, to his deity as God himself. Everything points to his, his character of love and, and, and forgiveness. and Everything points to his life, to his ministry. Everything points to the death, the burial, the resurrection. The return is coming back. There's no mistakes there. I look at these prophecies and I look at the fulfillment. There's no mistakes in God's economy. There's no uh-ohs written in the word of God. The Christ... The the cross of Christ, the cross, I've come by the way of the cross. The cross was a pre-planned before the foundation of the world event. It wasn't a backup. It wasn't an uh uh-oh. It's not a plan B. It is what restores the souls of men that were separated back when Adam and Eve broke the law of God, was separated for all eternity. But God already had a plan. He already knew they would fail. And he already knew that you and I would need a way. So the cross was always there. The fact that he would be called a Nazarene prophesied. He came and dwelt in a city. Matthew chapter 2 verse 23 called Nazareth. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. John chapter 10 verse number 7. Jesus said unto them again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, communion, the Lord's Supper, communion, it's a picture of the Lord's Supper. We depict it up here. In, in the Easter play where Jesus gathered his disciples together. Can, can I tell you that the Lord's Supper is not an open table? Everybody is not invited. Everybody will not be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Only the children of God will dine at the king's table. So, so it's not an open table. It's not for, for everybody. This was a time that Jesus Christ shared with his closest friends, with his innermost Circle Communion is representative of the Lord's table and it is intended for the Lord's children. It is intended for for the redeemed, those that that have been ransomed. Paul makes it clear that first we have to be in the family of God. First we have to be saved. You want to pull up to the Lord's table, you want to partake of communion, you need to be a child of the king. But he deals with the children as well. He he says it before we partake of the Lord's supper. That we are to examine ourselves. So we will have communion this morning. But I want to give everybody in this place an opportunity to have communion. To have fellowship. To have a one-on-one time with our Father, through the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A very personal time. A very private time. If you've never been saved, you can't experience that. I want to ask if you'd bow your heads right where you are. I want to ask every Christian in this place right now, don't worry about yourself. Right now, I want to ask you to pray for the sinner that is still lost. Right now, I want to ask you to pray for anybody in this place that's never trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. There's a lot of people go to church. There's a lot of people go where mom and them always went. There's a lot of people that they they put on a really good front. But they know in their heart that if they were to die, they'd go to hell. They never trusted Christ. If that person is you, I want you to know this morning you can change all that. You can be a child of the king. Jesus Christ came for you. He, he didn't come for the righteous because there are no righteous. There's none good. No, not one. He came for the sinner. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So wherever you are in life, if you've never trusted Christ, it doesn't matter where you are or what you've got on your plate. Jesus came that all your sins can be washed away. But he is the only way. When you stand at the gates of heaven, if you haven't come by the way of the cross, you will not come in. Without, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in outer darkness in a place called the lake of fire. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, you will die and go to hell. There's no purgatory. There's not an in-between. There's no exception. There's no excuses. You know about the blood of Jesus Christ. If you didn't know before, you know now. There's one way to be saved. His name is Jesus Christ. You live stream, it's the same for you. Wherever you are, driving down the road, YouTube, wherever you're watching, doesn't matter if it's not today, it doesn't matter if you're watching it a year from now, the story hasn't changed and it won't. His name is Jesus. And if you want to be saved, it's up to you to accept the gift. We've talked a lot of times about how God will not send anybody to hell. It's up to you to choose, but to reject Christ is to choose hell. Robin read a devotion yesterday. She shared with me, it said, God won't send anybody to hell. He'll just honor your choice. So what's your choice? Redeemed of the Lamb, heaven for eternity, lost and separated, hell for eternity. Your choice, your call. But his name is Jesus. If you've never asked Christ to save you, I want you this morning to make sure Listen, there's no magic poem. You got to surrender your heart to the Lamb of God. You got to surrender your life. Lord, I'm a sinner. You got to see yourself where you are. You got to see yourself lost and separated from God, separated in your sins. Say, Father, I am a sinner. And I know I'm going to hell because I deserve it, but I thank you that I don't have to. I thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the cross of Calvary. I believe in the blood. I believe in salvation. And I'm asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, would you save my soul today? And he's faithful and just to do it, if you're just faithful to ask. You know, as Christians, Paul says even to the family, even to the Christians, even to the children, make sure that your heart is pure. Don't don't try to partake of the Lord's Supper unworthily. He says, make sure that, that you're found spotless. Make sure that you are guiltless. Make sure that you are blameless. And the only way that we can do that is through confession. Yes, Yes, I've already said it. Sin has its pleasures for a season. But you've also heard myself and many others say it many, many times. Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. You see that little shiny thing, that little trinket you thought you could dabble with? You mess with fire. You're going to get burnt. It'll take you further than you want to go, and it'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. You'll find yourself doing things and standing there longer and longer, and you can't get away from it. But the greatest and worst part of all is it will cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. See, when you look back, it started out that one little shiny thing, and you took the bait, and you never meant to lose your life. You never meant to lose your family. You never meant to lose your home. You never meant for everything good to be destroyed in your life. But that's what happens when you mess with the devil. Paul says, don't pull up to the Lord's table unworthily. You got what you think are secret sins? Oh, the people sitting around you may not know them, but rest assured, God does. And God says, don't partake of his table unworthily. So I'm going to ask us as children of God, if we just take a little time and, and pray. Make, make sure that, that our hearts are pure. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I want us to just take a few minutes. Every evil thought, every evil deed, every evil imagination of the heart. Anything that you think at all might separate you from the blood of Jesus Christ. Anything right now that might hinder your relationship, put it under the blood.